I want to tell you about Persistent Vision Records. They are a brand new label that has hit the ground running. They've just reissued two records from Screamo Legends Page 99, the singles collection, as well as Document Number 8, which is an all-time personal favorite of mine. But they're not just doing reissues. They've also just released a split between Habak and Lagrimas, who are two bands that I've absolutely got my eye on that are so good. You can order these great releases directly through PersistentVisionRecords.com or through DeathWishInc.com. Give them a follow on Instagram at Persistent Vision Records so you don't miss out on what's coming next. Hello and welcome to the first ever podcast. My name is Jeremy Bohm. I am your host. And if this is your first time here, this is a show where I interview artists of all kinds about the first experiences in their art form that led them to where they are today. This is episode 163. And my guest this week is Taylor Young. He is a multi-instrumentalist who's played in a lot of bands ranging from Disgrace, Nails, Twitching Tongues, God's hate, eyes of the Lord. We get into a lot of this stuff. We we go through all of it. He's also an incredible producer. He runs a studio called The Pit. You may have caught recently that there was a GoFundMe that went up because he ended up being evicted out of the studio and the home that he was living in. And uh, that's kind of what sparked me wanting to bring Taylor on. We've known each other forever. It's always been a plan to bring him on Uh I saw him recently at uh, the Military Gun Scowl tour, MS Paint. He obviously recorded that record. And uh, we were like, yeah, you got to come on. And then the, the news of the eviction came up and I was like, yeah, let's uh, let's do it now. We can bring some attention to that. But I also just checked the uh, the GoFundMe right before recording this. And it's already $5,000 over, which is amazing. But if you still want to support and help out, because there's always extra expenses in the relocation of the pit, uh, just search GoFundMe, Taylor Young. Um, it's worth noting some of the amazing records that he has produced, ranging from records from bands like Drain, Military Gun, Self-Defense Family, Regional Justice Center, Zabalba, not to mention all the bands that he's been a part of. I got to say, if you're an aspiring producer or engineer, there's a lot for you here. There's a lot of great conversation about how he came to be uh, the person he is today through recording. It's really, really interesting. And I want to let you know also that if you want a little more Taylor, there's a bonus episode available right now where Taylor answered questions that were submitted by subscribers. You can access that by going over to patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon. You can subscribe for as little as $3 a month to help support the show and get access to all of the bonus episodes. You can subscribe for a little bit more and uh, submit questions to upcoming guests. There's a Discord channel. All sorts of fun stuff is happening over there. But most of all, it helps support the show. And it means a whole lot to me. Also, word of mouth is an incredible thing. So letting your friends know about the show, subscribing to the show on Spotify, Apple, wherever it is you are listening to this, that means a whole lot. 
leaving a positive rating and review, all the things that most podcasts ask you to do. There's a reason for it because it helps a lot. Um, all right, without further ado, here is my conversation with the dry, the witty, the thoughtful, the riffinest riffer. It's uh, it's Taylor Young. Hey, Taylor. How are you? I saw you less than 24 hours ago. You doing all right? I'm doing wonderful. I didn't win much at pinball, but... Yeah, okay. is that is that where the route you took to? Did you just basically play pinball all night? Um, I did a little crazy taxi break and a little bit of Simpsons and a lot of X-Men, but it was still mostly pinball. Yeah, it's I find myself when I like if I had like a like a free game situation where like I didn't have to put coins in, I'm going to be at that Simpsons game all night yeah seriously well it's like i and i've beaten it at chuck e cheese probably a hundred times in my life <laughs> but I, I still want to see it happen you know i feel it i feel it. and for people who are listening who might be confused uh last night was colin young's little birthday get together at a place called barcade here in la it was it was very nice and uh a lot of us were just basically playing pinball most of the night but um yeah it was nice to it was nice to see you how long did you end up staying there uh maybe a couple hours Okay. It's, per- it's perfect for a guy on a $5 budget, you know what I mean? I I do. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy how long those coins actually end up kind of lasting. Um, it's it, the it's a good deal to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, like the last time we had we had uh, Ashley and I had gone we I think we both put in like 20 bucks and when we showed up last night we didn't we still had coins left over from that last time. So we ended oh, up perfect. both of us in our cars had like a handful of coins still. Just go get the coins. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Um, so you just um, so when we signed on, you were like, "Look at this mess of all these coffee cups, yes. right?" I was actually today. I was actually just thinking to myself, either Taylor is someone who takes coffee very seriously or doesn't drink it at all. Um, I would say somewhat both for sure. Um, it's definitely an everyday thing. I got one good coffee shop and it's a 15 minute drive. Fuck. Yeah, it sucks. But but like and I so I really only go once a week. But mm. then I buy I buy their beans. Okay. And, and then the beans last me the week. Okay, so you're making coffee at home. Making coffee. I have a I have a grinder so I do that whole thing and and have a decent coffee maker and but like hot coffee on a hot day still just kind of sucks. It's the but, worst. Are you an iced coffee guy, though? I love cold brew. Yeah. But it, you can't rack up a cold brew every day. You know what I mean? I got it. Mean... I got I'm on the I'm on the uh, cold brew a week budget. Yeah. Take a sip. Enjoy it. Yeah. Enjoy it. I do have a Starbucks within walking distance of me right now. Yeah. That sometimes I'll go walk the dog and, and grab one. Totally. Before working. Yeah. It's not. um that's the that's the issue and that's why Starbucks is what it is for it's like I have one on my corner too and yeah, that's that's a benefit for sure and with the app it's like I don't I Dude. just run in grab it and leave walk but, up like you're an elite member of society <laughs> and you just cut and grab your shit well because mine's a window mine's like oh a, right only a window and, and a drive through so you walk up you literally have it says like please come to the window and to pick up your mobile order so i just yeah. like beeline past everybody and grab it it kind of feels 
naughty sometimes. Oh, dude. I mean, similar vibe. The one on my corner is literally across the street from GCC, the Glendale Community College. So it's oh, like whoa. a swarm of, you know, like 19 year olds all trying to order their Frappuccino. And I just like wind oh. it right through, grab my drink and fucking That's bounce. That's mine. um yo so it's you know obviously i had colin on semi recently um and i know there's going to be some crossover with you know some of the obvious stuff like location and whatever um what i'm curious though because you are the older brother when you moved from connecticut to la or yeah to california like how old were you at that point i was 16 okay so you were like a fully functioning formed i have a taste i have opinions i have all of that type of person i I imagine yeah i I thought i did (laughs) but yeah um but yeah i you know i had interests i already loved music and was doing everything i could like i came home i when when we moved here i was kicking and screaming and then we got here and i'm on calihardcore.com looking for band members basically immediately yeah Um, and that makes a lot of sense when i think about the timeline of even knowing and meeting you for the first time because you because you were always i mean obviously colin was a lot younger but or you know at least presented a lot younger but in my so i would have had to have probably met you not long after you had met uh moved here then i'm assuming no i think i think i met zach and mikey within a year or something and my, was that through the message board or was that you just kind of finding that shows? was after i had a band and had started playing and we did a firestorm cover cover at the cobalt and oh my god and mikey was like play it again play it again and so we played it again and uh and then he came and talked to us after that and uh it was like a couple months later that because they were looking for guitar players yeah it was literally a couple months later that we started to fight everyone wow that's so wild i didn't realize that that was the timeline that's so funny because obviously zach uh and for people as an exact is one of the people who was in the band fight everyone and like that was zach's thing that he started with our now unfortunately you know late friend mikey uh that i you know i wasn't paying attention to like how that band formed you know because i was like zach's yeah. side thing i was just like on the sidelines watching it happen and thought you it was were cool rocking. you were busy yeah. rocking yeah so like I didn't know how that all came together. So that's interesting to hear. What was, I mean, like, you know what? We'll get to that. Let let me hit you. Let me hit you with the first question, which is uh, when you were growing up, what was the first thing that you connected with musically that felt like it was yours? Maybe not something that was being played in the house by folks, but something that you found that kind of gave you a sense of identity. I mean, my, my dad definitely paved the way by having like black Sabbath tapes and, and stuff in the house already. So, but like, I think it was probably, and honestly, my older brother did a lot too, because he had friends who honestly still go to shows that were around at the time and they were just leaving shit in his car. Um, but I get, I think the first thing where I was like, oh, this is what I'm looking for was Sepultura KSAD, mm. where I was like, this, this is what I've, what's in my bones. And, and that's been trying to grow yeah were you exposed to like i'm assuming like metallica and stuff like that like super early on no i got into metallica a little later um, oh, okay i actually so i i my dad being a music fan also was like 
pretty encouraging about getting CDs and stuff at the time. And I would be like, I just want, I really just want Jin Jin Jin. And he's like, well, (laughs) just let's get the Soundgarden record then. So it was like a little bit of push pull. Like I really wanted Metallica. And he was like, no, you don't need that shit. Interesting. so, So we had Soundgarden, King Crimson and like, you know, like shit that was beyond me at the time that I really loved now. And I still liked Soundgarden at the time, but like I wanted, I wanted that Jin Jin Jin. And it, Did it you know me, that that was the sound or was that just like when you heard it, you were like, that's what I was missing. This, that was the one that gave me the feeling, you know, and then, <laughs> yeah. and then Sepultura is like, that record is like a Jin 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 masterpiece. Right. So it was like, holy fuck, what is this? And then it was hate breed satisfaction after that, where it was like, oh my God, there's like, it's only Jin Jin Jin. And yeah. It's, cra- it's crafted perfectly. Right. Did you get to ever see sepultura back then like no. pre lineup change now right no the, the the coolest earliest thing i ever saw was probably like pantera in like 2000 right before they broke up was uh, that the tour with soulfly i think no it was um morbid angel and slay no slayer maybe so wait, where did you see that show? Hartford Civic Center. Okay, so that's the same. Edinburgh. That's the same tour that I saw because Morbid Angel was on the LA show, right. but I believe Soulfly was too, and also this band, like I think it was Nothing Face. It's like a new metal Maybe. band. I think we had uh, other bands. We had that band Scrape. They played Scrape. First. Yeah, yeah. It has the record cover has a toenail on it or something. Straight I remember Deep Cut New Metal. Yes. Yes. I kind of uh, rocked bought that on that tour. I, I can't. I couldn't tell you a lick of what it sounded like, but I remember uh, the stupid logo with like dots. I remember yes. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I fucked it. I think I bonded with like George from Death Heaven, either about Scrape or Nothing Face, one of those two. But I remember revisiting both of them and being like, "Wow, this is not as as cool as I thought it was." When I was... That's that's true. Nothing yeah. Face is pretty dense music. Yeah. Like they put everything into that. It is really cringy and hard to listen to, but like they were going that, for it. Yeah. Yeah. If that, he didn't have the fucking hollow body guitar and the fucking hat, maybe it, it would have stuck a little longer. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that, but it's pretty I dark. don't remember that, but it's, I like that you remember those details. I remember those details because that was like, and these are the reasons I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um so okay, so then what was uh what was the first show that you went to? So I have like a mixed bag of memories from the first year or so, but there was the one that I feel like was the first one was Hatebreed played some like weird radio fest mm. in like two thousand one or something. And it was like literally just Hatebreed and like a bunch of garbage new metal bands. And we went for them. My dad brought me and Colin was like literally like six years old or something crazy. Right. And, um, that was, that's the first one. And then the first time I ever went to a show by myself, I took a bus up to Northampton, Massachusetts to see Grimlock when, when they first reunited in like 2002. That's really impressive i i feel like it wouldn't the, happen it wouldn't happen nowadays no 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 
14 year old is hopping on a bus yeah to a hard wow were you i mean that's also probably pre-reliable cell phone sort of situation too with like getting i didn't i didn't have one my older brother went to college in boston yeah so so he picked me up from the bus station okay brought me brought dropped me off at the show went back to his dorm and picked me up after the show and i had to do you remember the venue what venue was Um, that it was like is it still around um i don't maybe bill's bar i think it was called oh yeah i got no no recollection of that but there might it might have been something else it was definitely a weird show with like like it's funny to compare it to shows that would happen now where it was it's like one good band and like maybe maybe the localist of the locals like like some whiskey a go-go ass locos i was about to make a joke about like that's that's got very whiskey a go-go energy like four four bands that have nothing to do with what this is and then a and then a one dope band yeah a lot of pay to play yeah but i could have been wrong i just i was probably unaware of what was cool at the time yeah it'd be wild if you looked at that flyer today i've tried to find it Oh really? I, I feel like I can't find it. There's like maybe uh uh like a mention of a blurb of it somewhere, but I couldn't find a flyer. And how did you get into that band? Because it's you know, as you mentioned, it's like they were already broken up. Did that was that just like a UCD that caught your eye? What was it that got they you were, into them? They were in the initial pile of like left CDs in mm. my brother's car. And so like in my mind, they were like, Oh, it was like, oh, Grimlock and Hatebreed, like you know same shit like same size bands and so like i carried that for years but thinking that they were broken up or did like, you, you know, knowing they were broken up and did then you when they do came the back, the like okay so this hate breed record is on victory so i'm gonna go check out other stuff that's on victory did you do that type of thing i definitely did that after but the the grimlock record came out on pin drop which i think victory um distroed okay so, th- so there was some weird crossover there yeah um and then i ended up playing that cd to dust like literally like it skipped <laughs> and then went on very distro once i was able to use the internet and bought like four copies so that i could never fuck it up again because <laughs> that's you got, you got like your backpack copy you got kinda, your car yeah. copy honestly yeah. because i was going to school every day with my cd player and headphones like in cd player in my cargo pant pocket yeah blast like uh hiding one earbud in my in my uh hoodie and putting my head down in math class just yeah just inner, inner monologue moshing the entire yeah. time uh so when did you start and was actually was guitar your first instrument or what did you start playing first drums drums were first for sure okay but I, and, and then i i got into go guitar only out of necessity because nobody else wanted to play jin 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 the mm. way the way i knew it everybody yeah. kind of knew it as metallica and other things or corn and i yeah. was like oh, no you don't understand but like in in the i went to high school and middle school in west hartford connecticut mm-hmm. which is like pretty pretty nice and people are not angry mm-hmm. so it wasn't it was kind of hard to find people who who share this like the same taste even though connecticut hardcore is like a you know a melting pot generally yeah 
but I was just I was kind of separated from where the people were. Well, I'm yeah. Also thinking about that time, I feel like probably a lot of the high school bands or or whatever bands or kids that are playing local music are probably more into Blink One Eighty Two and pop yeah. punk and stuff like that. There so was, it was a like lot harder. of that. Yeah, totally, totally. System Same of a down of uh, yeah, corn slip Slipknot was like the heaviest thing that anybody liked. Um, right. I got a few friends into Sepultura and then, but then it was like at the only band that I was ever in in Connecticut that ended up playing a real show was like doing the used covers. Meanwhile, there's a promo of the band and I'm wearing my Grimlock shirt in the, this band of that's basically playing shit. That sounds like Finch. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, desperate times calls for desperate measures. The, and I was just putting mosh parts in those songs <laughs> and adding, adding yelling to the background and shit. And this is a band you're playing drums in? Uh, I played drums in it, yeah. Okay. What was your first kit? First kit was like a, well, I played on my dad's like really old Pearl for years. And then uh, I ended up getting a Pacific after that, which is turned into PTP. Okay. Which is like the same thing. They're based, But at one point when Pacific first started, they were still made in the DW factory in Oxnard. So they were like pretty much as good. Yeah. So that's the starter, the starter Pacific kit in like the late nineties was like a legit sick kit. Did I you, do, I regret getting rid of that one. I was about to ask if you still had it and if that like made the trip to California. No, uh, I think it did initially. And then I think it just got trashed over time. And then Colin got one and it was after they had kind of transferred over into not being in the Oxnard factory. So it's not, not as nice of a kit. And then hmm. my mom had that for a while. She has his really nice DW kit now in her little like training room that because she, she she teaches music to to kids and she can only do like beginner drumming. So she's teaching beginner drumming on this like econ like or this crazy like DW kit. It's it's it makes no sense. That's so your mom can play. That's awesome. Yeah, she plays piano like very very well she can transcribe and like she reads music perfectly and she can teach a little bit of everything so she can play guitar a little bit but i think she could teach like advanced piano and maybe intermediate of anything else and then beginner drums so when you both started to show interest in playing music i imagine the folks were pretty supportive of that big time and and early on when i first started they were like you should let your brother join the band and i'm like fuck no never sit <laughs> very similar to my brother and i my brother yeah. played drums and uh we never once even considered the idea of playing together we were what just like now? nope what's that what about now never have that's insane it, right and we're only you're missing, you're missing we're out. a year and a half apart oh my god do you have similar taste Musically now, growing up, there was a bit of diver. Like I got way more into metal. You know, I got into metal yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. Whereas he liked a lot of like kind of like riot girly, like like uh he like he was into like riot girl stuff like bikini kill and all that sort of stuff. And but he, he also just wanted really, to go do do bat do 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 bat. Yeah. Yeah. But we our Venn diagram was grunge like we both love nirvana and Sick. smashing pumpkins and all that sort of stuff but but sounds uh like, sounds like an open door to me yeah and it's cool i mean he got way more into 
uh, computer stuff and video games and, and all of that. And I took music so much more seriously, but now that we're both like much older, he's now playing music again, which I think is really cool. And I'm like stoked to see him doing it. Um, like nowadays it'd be more fun for me to pick up a guitar and just like play around with them, you know, never have before though. Grunge band. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I mean, it made a comeback. That's for sure. Is he good? Uh, yeah, he is. He is. I mean, is, I, I, is I that a podcast? Seen... Is that, is that podcast honesty or is that honesty, honesty? Is uh, good? I, I, well, here, how about this? I haven't been to, like, I, he hasn't played a show in like 10 plus years. Mm-hmm. So I haven't seen him play in a really long time. So I'm actually more curious to hear him play now. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's like a hot, it's like a side hobby thing for him. So sure. it's never been a thing that he took like a hundred percent, like, this Never is my got, life. Like, the touring, uh, the 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 touring chops, because you totally. don't get you don't get truly good until you play thirty days in a row. No, I and I completely agree with that. I mean, that goes for even like I'm sure you've experienced it too. Like you take out a band that's that's like a first of four on a tour that's like still pretty new, and then you watch them the last night of that tour where you're just like, damn, this band they got it. This band got it together. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a joy to see that stuff happen. It's magical. Yeah. Um. So what was that first band for, for in Connecticut? Yeah. Was it, was that, was like the Finch, was that Finch sort of band? Like the first one that was the, that was kind of the, well, so I had a a metal thing that I did with my best friend, Anthony, uh, in Connecticut that we could just never really get off the ground, but we were Mm -hmm. also, this was like fifth to fifth to 10th grade. You know what I mean? Like totally. That's not an, a time where you can actually do stuff, but we wrote, probably 50 songs together oh my god and and then breaking perfection is what the other band was called that actually did play shows and continued to play shows after i moved oh okay they stayed a band and like played probably at least for a year or two and like played real shows okay and then and their new drummer was actually somebody who kind of remained around hardcore for a while after i can't remember his name but like we we talked every now and then and we we would trade stuff because he liked mosh parts and shit too but still still leaned in into the the used and finch territory a little bit totally totally so what was the first show that you played in front of people it was at the webster underground in in connecticut okay with breaking perfection how was it for you? Like, did you get the bug? Were you nervous? Like, how I did was it go? nervous. I'm still nervous. I get nervous for every single show. Is that true? Yeah. Interesting. Regardless yeah. of what instrument you're playing, it just is there one that you feel better about playing less nervous? Um, guitar is probably the least nervous. Um, vocals only is like full blown panic attack. Really? Drums drums i would get comfortable with after the first couple shows but being the backbone scares me and like i if i fuck up it's over you know what i mean yeah if Which i is, miss a part it's over it's really That's funny happened. that it's, that, it's that, that you're that that you're that sort of nervous about it considering like how long you were in nails also this is probably maybe jumping ahead a little bit when you moved to cal cuz you played drums in crematorium right that's what i remember i feel when i when i think about knowing you i that's one of the things that pops in my mind kind of first is you playing drums in that band 
because I remember feeling like you were the much younger person playing drums in this death metal band that would that that like at least around LA felt like a very established thing. Yeah, I was 17 and they were all 35. There you go. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, that that was around the same time as Fight Everyone, like because I was like hitting Dan Dismal up and mopping up his Studio S shows to get in for free and shit. So he was like, oh, you put he and then he finally saw the band that the same band that I played in that Mikey saw, which was this band one round left right right before fight everyone. He saw me play drums for that. And it was like a hardcore band that had blast beats for absolutely no reason. (laughs) So he was like, wait, you can do that. How old are you? And then he I went on my first tour with fucking crematorium when I when I was on my uh spring break of senior year of high school with deicide oh, oh jesus that's yeah. i mean that's cool for a million different reasons um that's really wild insane. yeah um okay yeah jesus so i it's funny when you just the, the band was called one round left one round left yeah that actually hits like a very back of my brain. Like, okay, I remember yeah. seeing that name on flyers. How long did that band exist? Uh, maybe a year, maybe a little more. Like, there was a little overlap with Fight Everyone. Yeah. But then the, the singer of One Round Left also joined Fight Everyone. So that was. Will, I was going to ask the, if the that guy. shared members with anyone yeah. that you ended up playing with later on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then actually, you know, you probably know Dandy. Who played? Yes, in, he played yeah. bass in One Round Left. Oh, okay. Yeah, and we okay. went to high school together. Okay, got it. So, with you going on the message, the Cali Hardcore message board, like, were you meeting up with like random people at shows, being like, "Hey, we talked on there. Like, we should play music." Were you like auditioning for different bands? Like, how did that all I come was, together? Yeah, like there were a couple of different things. Um. I, I just found a couple people. I found Will, the singer, one round left on there. And then there was this other dude that ended up playing in Ruckus later that I haven't talked to in a really long time. Uh, and then there's this dude, Jacob, who played drums. That So I was trying to play guitar in a band. I was trying to play guitar on one round left. And mm-hmm. Jacob was pretty good, but he was, like, trying to get into other bands. So he would, like, try to get me to go try out for other bands. It was it was a weird process, but that one round left is where it kind of stuck. You describing being a nervous person, sort of a stage frighty person for performing even nowadays. I can't imagine how you felt auditioning with strangers. That was probably a lot, right? There was like a, a, this is sort of relative to the story, but I had like a, a moment while we were moving to California where I... I had like a panic attack and I had never had anything like that. I used to be like roller coaster kid. Like, let's go. I'm going five times. I don't give a fuck. Doesn't matter. This is going to be insane. Something broke me. And on the move to California, we went to Six Flags on the way. So we we made it a trip. It, we took like 10 days to do it. Yeah. You, put, you pulled a National Lampoon's vacation. A hundred percent. Yeah, we like went to all our grandparents' houses on the way and shit, and um, and we got we, we I got in line to get on a roller coaster, and I was like, 
in line nervous for the roller coaster to the to the degree where I'm like gonna throw up. But I'm gonna wow. throw up. I'm gonna throw up before. Not because not because I'm on the roller coaster getting sick. I'm getting sick thinking about getting on the roller coaster. And it was the first time I'd ever felt like that. And now that happens every time I anticipate basically anything. I get like a weird anxiety wave and I can't do a lot to contain it. Not to like armchair psychologist this, but like, do you, is there a specific memory that you can think of where something went sour when you were going to do something that you were nervous about that you think maybe implemented this going forward? Well, that's what I mean. I was like literally that roller. So then on that roller coaster after I did throw up, threw up all over my white Jane Silent Bob shirt. <laughs> no (laughs) and like and then the the fucking six flags trip was over and i used to be like a no fear it was it wasn't like i was sick it was just like the anxiety got to me and then right at the end of the roller coaster i did throw up but it wasn't the roller coaster that did it it was like the anxiety like fully latching on and so like it's something about like i get nerve i get so nervous to the point of like my throat dries up like so singing in a band was is literally fucking torture until the moment we start. And then so the moment the moment we start I'm good. What is it that makes you want I mean honestly like it's a direct question but like what is it that makes you want to keep doing it? Is it how it actually feels once you're doing it? Like does I think, that I think the the joy offsets the anxiety. Hmm. Uh and and it's also like the, this is the only thing I this is the only thing I like. I'm not going to not do it because uh, my body is being a pussy about it. You know, like I, I, I try to push through it as much as I can. Um, do you think that your getting interested in recording has anything to do with that? Where like you have attached yourself to enjoying the sort of behind the scenes. I don't actually have to do the full thing. I get to still be a part of this. Do you think that's a driving force at all? I actually, yeah, I think I, I really, really love making records and, and I really, really like playing shows. Like I, I could, if I, if someone was like, you could just make records now, I, I would probably be okay with that. But, but I do think that they go hand in hand, like hardcore is a live sport, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. That I, I totally get it too. Um, Cause there is a big joy in still getting to be a part of such a huge creative process, but not having to have to do all the not fun stuff that comes with it yeah. as well. You get to just be on the ground floor of the creative process, you know, which is, which, which is rewarding and it's, and it's always rewarding in its own way. Um, but you know, I, I do think that the total package is, is part of it. I, and I did take a few years. I mean, honestly, like, I've taken a, like a year off probably two times where like twitching tone is chilled and then nails ended up not really doing anything. Well, and then nails is just like, it was always part-time. And then COVID was like, no, I think I actually need to play shows. Yeah. All the time. And now like we've, we're still weekend warriors at this point, but like it's almost fucking every weekend. It feels like. Looking for an extraordinary coffee? Look no further than Heartwork Coffee. With eight years of excellence and proudly roasting in the vibrant city of San Diego, California, 
Visit heartworkcoffeebar.com to explore a wide range of single origin and blended coffees to suit your taste preference. On a personal note, co-founder Rob Moran has played in so many bands that have inspired me personally, like Unbroken and Some Girls, for example, and it's been amazing watching Heartwork thrive all these years. The coffee is amazing, and I'm thrilled to support this company. Once again, visit heartworkcoffeebar.com to place an order. That is H-E-A-R-T, work, coffeebar.com. This is actually a good segue because the next question I would ask is what was your first time recording? And we could also kind of tie that to your first time recording another band. So for you personally, though, what was your first time recording? First time recording, I ha- we had like a, a weird like digital eight track it was like a really early digital thing and i my dad had it rigged in the basement and this is in connecticut to like a mackie mixer and like he he helped me rig it up so that i could just like record mosh parts and covers and like goofy stuff on my own because i learned to go jun 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 but also play drums so i was like recording these awful drum takes and then playing guitar over them panning them, putting some nonsense vocals, burning them to a CD and then calling and then like fucking doing the whole layout for the record. And it's just for me. Yeah. And I honestly wish I still had some of those cause I don't know where they are. If they, if I do have them, they're probably destroyed. Totally. They're like, I'm yeah. just stealing Sepultura riffs, adding in hate breed riffs and just making my own, like my own records for my own enjoyment. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. That's, that's, it's definitely, think it it's shaped the way i write too like i still kind of write like that does your pop was that your pops already having sort of a background on knowing how to do that or was that him kind of father son figuring it out with you as like a bonding exercise you think um he knew how to do it because he he works in audio oh, okay and, and he worked in audio for tv and he's the tech manager so he was the dude who like made sure that the shit worked Hmm. He wasn't the dude sitting and and doing it. Um, he wasn't mixing anything, but he was like, "Oh, I'm." He was the gear manager essentially, and uh, he just got this stuff because he's a musician too. So he's always he's always kind of gathering the pieces he needs to create music, but never managed to really create music after he had kids. Hmm. So, um. Yeah, he definitely, but he definitely helped a lot. He helped with this studio so much. He's going to help with the move probably. Yeah. And, um, but he is, he's definitely like a tech genius. So he had this like, that eight track like rigged up for me to just record whatever at any time and taught me basics. And then I would tweak it and learn it. Um, And I used that eight track for like probably, I don't know, six years or something. So when we moved here, I was recording demos, and the first one round left demo was recorded on that same A track. Oh, okay. And, and then there was this band from Bakersfield that heard this, and this is like, I think it's 2004, because I think I was still in high school when we did this. Uh, you know Evan from Bakersfield? Have you ever met him? Tattooed, I don't know. Maybe. Tattooed head to toe. Um. It was his band, and they came over and recorded a demo in my bedroom, 
and I think we were probably both eight, maybe 16 or 17. And, uh, that was, yeah, that was the first time I recorded somebody else and then created a little demo out of it. How was that experience for you? Like, were you nervous having someone else's like, you know, I guess vision in your hands to sort of like try to figure this out or was it kind of fun for you to just, you know, I think it was fun to just do yeah. and he just wanted it to sound like that other demo. So you're like, I knew uh, how to do that. So I guess I can do that again. Yeah. we, I think we recorded something pretty quick unless I'm misrem- misremembering and ha- maybe he just came over and recorded vocals on a one round left song. It's one hmm. of the two. Sure. But, but like, I do think that there was like some, I, I feel like I recorded his band, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe so he'll did chime you, in. Did you start, going to other bands spaces to record them with your eight track setup or did you start having a like figuring out like oh i can do it here in my home sort of a situation i i was very nervous to switch to a computer Mm. um but then i think not that long after that we moved into a different house that my dad's friend owned that did have a little converted studio in it and so my dad had a got a well he got a digital performer set up which is what i literally still use because uh, i fear change <laughs> uh and he taught me some of the basics there and i got a laptop and an interface and i would i would often record bands out of the crematorium practice space which was oh, the okay. 7th street warehouse in downtown la have you ever been there uh yes yeah that so like we would just uh i would just record bands on on quiet times there i think the world of pain demo was there i did dan dismal's other band the dolomite project which might ring a bell (laughs) jesus christ yep yep uh and then a bunch of stuff probably but a bunch of little shit between probably 2007 and 2010 before i had my own space but it was still just felt like practicing. I was charging like a hundred bucks. Yeah. Um, wow. Uh, so what was the first time you went to a studio that you weren't recording yourself? Um, honestly, like a real studio, it wasn't yeah. until going to God City, which was like super overwhelming. I but bet. Rhett, Rhett was recording the Fight Everyone stuff. Oh, um, okay. He, he did the first one. And that he did the demo and then the first EP and the first ruckus record. Okay. And then I ended up track or then Rhett tracked the second fight everyone record and Kyle black mixed it. Mm, Okay. And, and then it was finally, I think the first, the first time I ever let my own band like be digitally recorded with pro tools or like with digital form and shit. I think it was, ruckus ruckus zabalba and rotting out had all recorded with me just like over rent like for random things yeah and it kind of spiraled spiraled from there where like then i was getting like tons of requests okay that's when you started to become sort of the la guy i feel like you and you and alex estrada both were like the hey do you do you play in a hardcore band and are you on a budget well these two guys can can knock it out for you come here i got you for 150 a day <laughs> um 
not to jump ahead too much, but like when you, you know, now you're in nails and then you go and you record with Kurt was like, talk to me about that experience for you. Cause obviously, yeah, that's like in a very legitimate studio, a very storied, very, you know, legacy yeah. studio. And also with the person who is a legacy person. Um, yeah. yeah I, and a, obviously I'm you a just mega fan of converge. Yeah. And then like you describing your sort of, you know, nervous energy, uh, talk about that experience. I was, I wasn't so nervous to record. Like I, I don't get that for, for studio stuff. Like I'm never nervous for recording. Well, that's and, good. Like, we went, we went there and I was definitely like, Oh, this lets me know that I know nothing because I don't know what anything in here is. And, but I'm kind of wide eyed and, and paying attention a little bit and uh, just having a great time, probably punishing the hell out of him. Uh, did drums pretty quick. He definitely told me next time, maybe hit a little harder. Okay. So I, I came back and did that a couple times. Um, but yeah, it was definitely uh, an eye opening experience and kind of a window into a goal, a later goal for sure. Kurt can have a pretty cutting sense of humor. I know you can too. So I'm sure yeah. you bonded over that a little bit. Maybe. Uh, yeah. yeah. I might've gotten it from him. some. I, it's, it's possible. <laughs> um, but did he know that you had an interest in recording and was he like kind of showing you stuff or were you just kind of observing on your own? Were you like nervous to ask questions? Like how was that for you? I think for the first one, I, I, it was still a secret. Like, okay. And I didn't know what questions to ask because I really knew so little about analog stuff. Like all I knew was record Jun 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 into microphone, push compress, make sure drum kick drum sounds clicky and we're good. Can you hear yeah. the vocals? Cool. It's good. Uh, and so like I had to get more technical, but it had to be out of my own volition. Like I couldn't just, I had to figure out why and what before I could really ask him a question because I, I didn't know what anything was so much to the degree that I did. I couldn't form the question. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. That's, I can imagine that being a bit overwhelming. So what was it for you that pushed you to that next level? Was it reading fucking message board forums? Was it like YouTube videos? Like what brought you to the next level? Um, I did a lot of reading. I've still reading. Yeah. Uh, there actually, uh, there's a, a message board called, it used to be called gear sluts, which actually Kurt and Zach petitioned to get a name change and it <laughs> changed to gear space. Like that literally did happen. Wow. Amazing. Yeah, but it's a huge message board with, that answers pretty much every question. Somebody has asked the question you're looking for. And wow. so I've been reading that for the last 10 years. And honestly, answering my own, answering some of the questions differently after, you know, trial and error. I did a mm -hmm. lot of trial and error, though, for probably four or five years. And, and now that you've recorded, you know, you went, you went on to record a couple records with Kurt. Yeah. Did he, has he become someone that you can rely on to like, if you do have a question, like, do you ever go to him now? All the time, probably too much for his own uh, <laughs> desire. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's uh, definitely the unintentional mentor for sure. And he, I knew every time I went back there, I knew more. And it was finally by the time we did, you will never be one of us in 2015 that I was like, I understand it all. 
and I need, now I know what I need. Now I need to get it. <laughs> and so fair. All you know, money went into the all every dollar I've made has gone back into the studio for the last like probably eight years. The you know, it's a it's definitely a privilege to be in the position that you and I are in with our relationships to members of Converge, because obviously I put out records on Deathwish and the label I do is a subsidiary of Deathwish, but the I think one of the most charming things that people may not get or like assume about Converge is like how much they really do enjoy sort of that helpful thing that they can do you know where like kurt can be extremely helpful and actually i think really enjoys that um i was on the phone with jake yesterday for like 15 minutes about just a question i had about the title of a release and you know he someone like that can come off as very intimidating but once you actually get to know them a little bit like they i think they really enjoy that sort of like big brothery sort of relationship with people who actually care about their craft so i can totally see how you and kurt can get along like that and i'll bet he actually very much enjoys hearing from you in that regard it's possible and like the moments when he hits me up i'm like wow cool yeah like every time yeah it never goes away and like jake same thing if if he reaches out or like or like i talked to nate about star wars literally fucking weekly there you go uh, and and ben is all like the individually they're all so fucking sick absolutely and like wildly different personalities in every single one of them (laughs) i can't believe they're friends (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly exactly um okay now let's go back to to first tour stuff so your first tour was playing drums in crematorium opening for deicide yeah were you a deicide fan at that point already oh yeah i mean i love the first three um yeah and had already heard some of the stories and they're all true uh (laughs) it was it was a very weird tour uh and kind of a weird first tour to be on because there's a whole lot of like why did this happen this is how this is how this band fucking tours because they 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 got a i don't know this might be too fucking hard of lore but they got a band on the tour to be one of five not crematorium to open the tour yeah to drive them (laughs) sick and glenn would follow the winnebago that they're touring in okay in his car with his wife i mean yo different strokes different folks and and you know what to me that says deicide is a hardcore band yo yeah yeah because that's that's some diy weird shit for sure let me, let me ask you this how where was the tour how long was it was it, it like was west like coast west coast southwest because i do remember playing el paso we played like a, a converted hotel that was converted into a venue yeah really weird yeah d inside's a hardcore band <laughs> yeah that's what i'm saying uh and then there was was there an la show I don't remember. It would have to have been at like the key club. I'm assuming. I only remember playing the key club once we played there with emperor, which was pretty sick, but yeah, I don't remember if there was, it might yeah, have been I just like felt Southwest. Like the East the Coast. key club was like the death metal venue. I oh, felt yeah. like earth wow. crisis saw earth crisis there. That was great. 
I remember seeing, I mean, there was a few of those, like, remember, I mean, it's happening more now, but like the the brilliant ideas of putting hardcore bands with death metal bands. Like, I remember, did yeah. you go to that, like, Cryptopsy Poison the Well show? No, that sounds insane. And then there was also Origin and 18 Visions. That also happened. Makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. That and and both were just you know a remi or, or a a uh, a recipe for a fight because yeah during both bands there were fights because hardcore kids love to swing on death metal kids who want nothing to do with them at all or anyone yeah um, <laughs> yeah I mean and Cryptopsy has some certifiable spin kicking moments so <laughs> I could see some clashing happen there yes yes one thousand percent um what uh so i mean what do you take away from that tour though other than just like witnessing those sorts of interesting things but i'm sure at the time you didn't even probably think twice about it because it's your first tour but like did you take to touring did you, was it exciting for you was it nerve-wracking what what did you uh what did you think it was exciting and i definitely loved it and uh it was kind of like oh this is what i'm gonna do oh okay. but I, I also had moments of like that where like i'm I see a dude selling like in high school, going to a show and you see a dude selling six t-shirts. I'm like, that's what I'm going to be doing. Yeah. I'm going to be the merch guy on a tour. Yeah. It, Cause I just want to go on tour. Okay. Uh, and I definitely would, I ended up being the merch guy on a lot of tours just because it was like, I needed something to do. I'm also 17 at a bar. What, why am I? Yeah. Why am I here? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, were yeah. you guys like sleeping at hotels? Were you guys staying on people's floors? We did a lot of sleeping in the van. Oh, okay. Uh, there's actually a pic of me like asleep in the trailer, like Oof. with not like just outside the venue. Um, they used to say that I would find I would find a little lily pad and I would go sleep somewhere because I couldn't sleep in the van when it was hot. Oh, yeah. Like we would literally find a parking lot in texas in the middle of the summer or, or the, like early spring yeah and like it's it was impossible yeah so you try to find during the day yeah you try to find the tree to park under but then like the way the sun moves eventually yeah. it's going to be right in the, sun. in the window yeah yeah exactly uh what was your first european tour uh nails rise and fall harm's way in like 2010 was that the two there was a date where we that touche hopped on a show i do think it was either if it wasn't that tour it was the next one we did cross with black breath on that same yes thing. yes yeah. there's a show Wait, that was, we, it, was it the one show was it touche black breath i think it was touche black breath rise and fall nails yeah that sounds right so that is our first time in europe Whoa. it was 2010 we were on tour with a band called Lighthouse that also played that show. So they had to Whoa. have combined all three tours because, yes, I'm seeing it was at Hasselt, Belgium, at a place called Music Drome. Mm -hmm. Rise and Fall, Black Breath, Nails, Harm's Way, Lighthouse. Crazy. November show. 20th, 2010. Wow. Let's get that show booked right now. It'll be at the Belasco. <laughs> truth truth <laughs> um wow that's great so that and that actually is smack dab in the middle of 
our tour. I mean, our tour, we ended up just hopping on like, you know, there's a show we played with like Youth Brigade at like Whoa. a squat in Germany just a few days later. I mean, um, those are the those are the shows where those kids last forever. You know? Yeah. Yeah, they I got come back forever. I got punched in the face at that show for not giving somebody the microphone. Um that's, which I didn't I didn't know how to interesting. take. Yeah. Like like, like I got Do you does that mean you love this song or you, <laughs> or you I can't tell. Yeah, yeah, he it was one of these things where he was being very grabby and I didn't, you know, and I this was 2010. We've only been a band for, t- you know, 2 years. You don't know so what like, to do with this. Yeah, so this guy's being very grabby, and I was like, I don't like that guy's energy. So I like kind of stayed away from him. And then we played our last song, which is our song Honest Sleep. And like and during the end part, he just stood up on stage and punched me in the face and then jumped in the crowd and left. I was just like, I was so stunned by the whole thing. <laughs> like that's insane. You know Where when you get it? uh it was in it was that youth brigade show uh oh, in Germany. Oh, in, okay, perfect. Yeah, Germany makes sense um you know like I when punched you get, him and i left <laughs> you know when you get punched and you're sort of like it doesn't it doesn't resonate because you're like just shocked that it happened yeah it was that where i was just like very just baffled yeah like, did that just fucking happen <laughs> um yeah it was very it was the weirdest energy in the entire world uh but wow that's also were you playing in nails when we did those hope con shows Oh yeah, I I so far I have never not played in nails. I think okay because they because they, they had a like different drummer. Shows. They had a different drummer for the first record, right? Yeah, Tom Tom Hogan. He played maybe ten shows, and this okay. was like pre two thousand nine, so it was like two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Okay, okay, yeah. Uh, yeah I, I mean, even that's. I mean that those those shows in general also are just crazy to look at. Um, yeah. Because yeah, it was Gilman, Chain, and Che, Hopecon, Ludax, Nails, Touche, which is wait, wait, what year is that? Two thousand ten, January okay, two thousand ten. That was definitely me. Yeah, yeah. I remember the I remember the Ho- the Hopecon show because there's a there's a pic of Colin hanging from the thing, screaming at uh, the Hopecon man. The Hopecon, like sing, singing along. I can't remember his name. <laughs> uh kevin 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 Baker. yeah yeah oh you yeah. guys didn't play the chain show that's interesting we, i think we only played che you played and, gilman and gilman yeah yeah which is crazy we played both gilman shows it's so Chase sick on gilman drive uh yeah that was a crazy those that, that was that was like the first time i was like oh man i'm just playing with bands i like yeah i, I mean thought, i thought blacklisted ahead. was on that or they not? Maybe no. I'm, maybe I'm combining shows in my mind. Maybe because maybe there was a Che Nails blacklisted show. Oh, there could be. There could be. That sounds sick. Hey there. Do you need to get some merch printed? My incredible sponsors over at Anchorfish Printing has a great deal going on right now. You can get 100 soft style shirts for only 499 bucks. Do the math. That's a great deal. For details, email Michael at anchorfishprinting.com. You can also visit anchorfishprinting.com and see what else they have to offer. They are a one-stop shop for all your merch needs. And don't forget to mention the first ever podcast when you place your order. So I have random questions about... um, 
recording stuff. And, and, but what, let me see what I just wrote down here. I'm being very professional because I was just thinking of random questions. Let me see what I have here. Oh, this is actually not recording related. This is, re- this is related to you and your brother's relationship with music. Like mm-hmm. with the amount of bands, I'm sure you've been asked this in one version or another, but like with the amount of bands that you two have started together, um, firstly, is there ever any uh, hurt feelings if you start a band that he's not involved in or vice versa? Or it's just like, hey, why didn't you ask me to do this one? um not not necessarily it's probably the inverse it's like hey i want to do this do you want to do it no okay cool i'm just gonna go do it okay the the only one where it was like me i was like not planning on having him in it yeah and then he was like i i would do that was was dead body the newest one where he was like well what if i played bass i was like i don't know man the riffs are kind of crazy yeah and then and then he got it and then we both front the band, which is to yeah. me, it's like I, I I love God's Hate and Twitching Tongues, but Dead Body is like the first time where it's like us in kind of in the same zone, right? In a way, and I I really like that. It's 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 very fun because it's fair. I mean, most of the time, what are you is on drums, right? Seemingly, or I I will. Oh, or, well, I gener- guess he's he's singing for Twitching Tongues, so that's yeah, different. I yeah. I would generally refuse play drums also yeah that was the other thing so he if he was starting something where he would play guitar i was like well I, i'm yeah i don't want to play drums i'm out so like god's hate i wasn't in initially got it because he started on guitar uh, uh the bands that you play drums in crematorium nails what other ones that's pretty much it that's it uh, yeah i was gonna say i i have played drums for criminal instinct a couple times and i have played drums for uh, I have played drums for God's Hate. I filled in before, which was fucking torture. Um, <laughs> and then I think that's there could be more, but I did most of my filling in on bass or guitar. And so the next question would have been like, when you think of a riff or an idea or something, do you do the oh this could be a this band song or hey Colin let's just start this new thing? Um. I, I think it was different for each thing. Usually I would, it w- I would have the focus of what it's for before I even start. Okay. Um, like, like we've had a million, you know, tiny side bands where it's like, okay, I'm, but I'm, I'm clearly writing for this. Yeah. There, there's only been a couple times where like I wrote a riff for eyes of the Lord and he was like, can, can we keep that for God's sake? And I was like, okay, fine. Yeah. And, uh, but not it's not often. Usually, usually that's it's predetermined where it's going. Okay, okay, um, that makes sense. And all right, so when you because I when I saw you last night, I kind of I kind of brought this up a little bit. Um, do you get more not even more excited, but like when you're getting when you get hit up to do a non metal or hardcore project, like you've recorded Self Defense Family. and now you've done the military gun stuff like do you are you going into that using what you know from recording metal and hardcore to like bring that sort of energy into something or for you is it like you're going into it as a learning experience as well where you're like oh this is going to be different i'm going to learn from this um i would say maybe the the self-defense time like the first time i recorded them i was definitely like me (laughs) <laughs> are, are you sure 
Yeah. And, I remember and, Patrick specifically being most excited to work with you because yeah, it of was, it was yeah. crazy. Yeah. And he he hit me up. He was like, "So what what would it take to like get a day in there while while we're on tour?" I was like, "Uh I you you're sure me." And he was like, "Yeah." And I was like, "I, I mean, yeah, let's let's book it." And and they came in and ripped four songs. Uh I think they did that two times for two different 12 inches. And then one of them ended up being one of their biggest songs, the song Good Idea Machine. Mm-hmm. And they were like, well, let's just keep going there. And But then they had this big idea. For, so I, they also took me out of my comfort zone and had me record at someone else's studio for the first time. Oh. I, I, had, I had never done that. And they were like, you're going to fly to Brooklyn. We're going to do it at this spot. We want you to capture it i'm like i can't even use pro tools are you sure you want me and they were like yep and how did that go did you have someone doing like the engineer sort of stuff like no i just i i I got there i honestly almost destroyed the studio trying to install digital performer on the computer oh no it didn't work out but chris tenerowitz okay is pretty good with pro tools so i could get the i would have him set me up and then i would have like the basics are the same you know what I mean? Creating tracks, all that shit. That's easy. It's more like grouping things and doing specific edits that I would be like, what, what do I click to, so that I can get this tool? Things like that. So he would help with that shit and he made it very easy. But I was, a, I definitely focused more on like the sounds and the tones and the gear right. that I ended up using, which was really fun to use a bunch of vintage shit that I've never used before. Although my one complaint with the studio was that it was a little too vintage. Mm. leaning but it it worked for that studio like we we got there and that the heads on the drums were like super super dead and i was like i kind of fucking love this for this Ah. like brushy ass weird record that's literally being written in front of me yeah i think i think this will work and and it really did with you because i you know we haven't worked together in that in that sort of capacity before what kind of uh has your involvement in the project changed over time like did it start with you just being like i'm just hitting record or were you getting more hands-on with helping the songwriting process like early on and how involved in in, with that aspect are you these days um in general or with that record uh in general uh in general i i would say it definitely first started with you know i'm gonna record this and i want to make it sound away right and then I think over time I had more and more ideas or I was comfortable with with uh, giving ideas. and But also people wanted it. Like everyone there is open. Like I've never had anybody really be like, sh- sh- shut up, shut up. You know what I mean? Like yeah. usually it's like, oh, that's a cool idea. So, and it's just shit like, usually it's just like semantic stuff where it's like, let's have the guitars cut here and have it be one and things like that um but but it, it it turned into more song based stuff over time for sure and then now it's kind of like i can tell what my job is going to be beforehand mm-hmm. really um like if i'm getting a band and they're coming in and doing their first thing i'm not really going to sit and shape the songs too much like the i want to see what they're gonna do 
But then if there's a, and, and then if that explodes and when they come back for the next one, then maybe we get a little bit more hands-on. Got it. Got it. Would that be like similarly to, cause I, I had Sammy on, is that like maybe like similarly to what happened with drain? Kind of. Yeah. Like I, I, I didn't do much song wise with their early stuff. And then that two song promo where they like really blew up. It was like, damn, this is fucking like legit good. Yeah. And they just got better and better. Um, I haven't had to do too much molding just like they're, they're pretty self-sufficient and really have a great drive. Sammy is like fucking tunnel vision for drain. Like everybody thinks he's this like bubbly dude. Like, Oh, you know, whatever. But no, he's like, this is the mission. I'm going to get it done. And he's, he's specifically nuts about it. And it's, and it's awesome. Yeah. 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 Um, do you, does it, does it vary project to project? Cause I, cause I, a thing I had kind of written down to ask you is like, is it exciting for you to start with a band from the ground floor where you're like, I want to be involved with pre-production and then we're going to work on the songs and then we're going to record it. And then I want to mix it like, or does it, does it genuinely vary project to project? Like how involved do you like to be these days? I'll be as involved as anybody wants me to be. If if people want me in on pre-production, I'm down. I would probably, I, I would prefer, um, to more like give notes because I, I do think that there is a, a, a cool part in a band being the band. I don't I don't really want to to inject me into everything in a way. It's more just like I want to guide and direct to create the coolest thing that they can do. So like too much molding is is it can be tough. Um so I wouldn't say that's the first thing I want to do, but I'm so open to it. It's it's totally it, and it is fun to be like, oh, I'm I'm the sixth guy, yeah, on the record. Like on that, the that other rewarding. end, yeah. On the other end, knowing what you know now, production wise, you've been in a ton of bands, a lot of successful bands, a lot of you know, you've put out a lot of records at this point. Are there any producers that you would ever want to go to that you haven't worked with that you would be open to that like pre-pro sort of like full experience? Or do you feel sort of tied into like, I can just do everything myself? Um, There's a little bit of both. I, I would like to go just record with Steve Evitz someday just to, you know, just to watch him go, you know, and see what he's got. I do. I think Kurt is was enough of a window into into the top dogs where i was like this this was rewarding and i would go back to kurt and do more with him because it's it's fun i want to send rec like that he he's never mixed anything besides a nail seven inch that i recorded and i would like to do that more and that's kind of where i get the most reward is like working with people on the mixing end like Mm -hmm. if i'm tracking it i think i can handle the tracking but I can get some really cool stuff out of having other people mix stuff. Totally. You get a totally different shape and footprint on things. But I, I would be open to things. I guess I don't have an immediate like, oh, I want to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I, the I love that aspect of the collaborative nature that can come with having someone else mix it. And it's I've always found it interesting when someone can be a little sour about someone else about the band wanting the mixes to go to somewhere else. Like 
some producers I know can be a little touchy about that. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm still I'm still getting over that. Um, I have a hard time letting go, just because it's like the vis- the vision is here. I would like to complete it, but at the same time, um, I understand that when you get different ears on things, you you get a different perspective, and it can it can really help the record. I've only had maybe two records where I'm like, well, the mix ruined the record. Mm. Um, but then I've had two where I'm like fighting, like, please let me mix the record. I fucking need to mix the record. And then I get the mix and I'm like, God damn it. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and I think that's, and I, and I honestly like, uh, to be transparent, the, the drain living proof record was like really hard for me to let go of the mix. Mm. And John Markson absolutely smashed it. And, has changed my mind forever got it on having that be a be a thing it like also, to, in the it, sense of like you need to be more open-minded about that process i i gotta just shut up and let go i, I like like it's 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 gonna be great yeah. as long as it's the right people you know totally uh, totally um, I, fucking we the last record that we did with ross robinson he was the one that was like I need Steve Bevitz to mix this. Mm. And I was kind of surprised by that in a lot of ways. Cause he I was just like, he, he works with Steve a lot. He does. He does. Yeah. But like he, before he sent the, all of the files to Steve, he had very meticulously, like pretty much mixed the record. Like mm. he was working on it for like at least two weeks where I would come Whoa. in and he would still be messing with it and getting things right. And then when he was like, okay, I think I'm ready to send this to Steve Griffin. Whereas like, I'm listening to what he's done and I'm like, this record sounds fucking done to me. Like, what yeah. are you talking Like, what is, what, what more can be done? Yeah. What's, what is Steve going to do to this? It's cause it sounds like, cause he's also so meticulous with like his notes for yeah. what he's going to give to Steve. So then when Steve all of a sudden started mixing the record and then I started hearing that, I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like I Jesus. get it. I get yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had Steve mix one thing for me and Colin's been like, you got to make it more like that mix. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's, it's like haunting me, but also it's still incredible. Uh, was Steve's um, mixing process uh, annoying to you at all? Because yes, when he- one song at a time is fucking insane one song at a time and he would also send it to us at like 11 p.m and be like can i get notes on this immediately because i'm in the studio right now yeah, and we'd be fucking insane it's like dog like i'd like to sit on this for like a minute and Let like absorb it totally totally yeah it was it was tough dude because some of the guys in my band are like old men who will go to yeah. bed at like 9 30 or 10 so they're just like dude i can't live this way <laughs> like yeah um but yeah i was i'm still so honored to have uh to have worked with him what record is it that he mixed for you he did the the eyes of the lord uh 12 inch ep oh shit that's awesome it, it was because we we did that midnight suns band at the same time and they, the records were going to come out within like months of each other oh fuck so, yeah so i was just like i think i just we just have to have one sound we have to make sure one sounds different yeah because they were kind of both heavy both kind of fast two deep singers yeah so it's like all right this will separate it and and it was fun to just have a hero work on some stuff 
Totally, totally. I just saw you post, what was it like yesterday or, or late, late last night about getting to mix that, the uh, Cold as Life record? Yeah, that was fucking crazy, man. Like, I've been listening to that record since since I was in high school and never thought it sounded as good as the first one. But mm-hmm. I loved the songs. The songs are so heavy in this weird, unique, dark way. And they hit me up, or the Dom, who runs A389, hit yeah. me up to mix it. And I was like, dude, I will do this for like a quarter of the price. I need, I need this. Like, don't, this cannot land anywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and I, and I just had the most fun working on it. The tracks were chaos because I was told that they set up and tore down each day and what? recorded. Yeah. Like they, they recorded instruments of songs live and they would do like three songs a day and then tear down and then set it back up the same way close to it. So like every couple songs, the guitar tones are completely different or like close, but, but like different in tone, but off in volume so i had to do all this matching and like oh figure my out god how to, there's a different drummer on one single song and then there's the distortion is like absolutely baked into the vocals so it was like a, a chaotic session that i got to rein in usually i'm making things crazier but this i had to dial dial back the crazy wow uh, it was so much fun like in the first time i don't know if you know anything about this record but there's a single sort of ska hardcore song on it okay that that has horns wow and it was like it's it's like it's a it's a cool song and they had they had a version of it on a previous demo that had no horns so it's just like kind of a punk song yeah so it was a punk song that they just added horns to and it sticks out on the record and it's just one of those things where like you think you're going to skip it, but you don't uh-huh. and you listen to it every time. And uh-huh. it's so fucking fun and good. Fun on a cold as life record, you know, not synonymous. It doesn't totally. make sense. And when I heard those horns isolated, sing a single tear. Come, wow. Come my face. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awesome. How yeah. long did the, how long did it take you to mix it? Honestly, like, f- like a week and a half. Okay. Uh, yeah. Which is which is like long in for how much I charged them for it. <laughs> sure. But, yeah. 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 But I can, I can imagine that's the kind of thing that you're like excited to wake up and uh, open it up and keep going. Every time. And I still just pop it on because it's like, oh, now it's now it sounds the way I always dreamed it could. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Well, that uh, hopefully we didn't just step on it, but we'll see. But when was the first time you felt like you were doing the thing you'd been working so hard towards? Um, that's a good question. I think, I guess the first thing that popped into my mind just now is, is doing the, the second Zavalba record. Um, well that, that's one of them. And, and that like having to go to the meeting with Southern Lord to like, talk about the record and stuff before i was like wow i'm really doing like the industry part Mm. that makes it kind of feel real in a way and that was really rewarding even though i haggled with southern lord over the price a little bit because i wanted one of his model t's 
I was like, if you, I'll bring the price down if you give me one of your Model Ts. Oh my god! Which, which he did. That's fucking um, awesome. <laughs> so that was pretty fun. And then I think for playing in a band, honestly, and I'm just going off the first time. Yeah. The first thing that comes to my mind is the first fight everyone show at the Cobalt, where it was like, like unhinged crazy had no business being that crazy yeah people leaving bloody and shit i was like god damn like 17 i'm a twig at the time yeah watching like monsters battle in a fucking godzilla movie and it was just it's like this is what this is everything i've wanted do you think it was just the hype of this band like the the lore that you guys were kind of setting up where it was going to be like you know there's a ton of members in this band it has this hard name and then people just showed up and just went off was that do you think that's what the setup was i think this setup was partly that i think there was like lore around the band before it started like people knew it was coming and then honestly stricken being such a thing like there was built into that there was built into mikey yeah um so like it was like and everybody in the valley knew each other you know? totally and then it brought like i don't think anyone outside of of the valley or maybe santa clarita like even knew about it mm. to a degree you know yeah but it was like this was like the localist but biggest band totally totally no that and that all that all totally makes sense in in a lot of ways too because also that's at a time where you know there were so many like metalcore bands my you know the band that i played in was zach stricken like we're obviously very like metalcore in a lot of ways and all of this sort of stuff and then bands like terror and internal affairs and hoods like more like straightforward hardcore bands became the cool thing so all of a sudden it's like all of these people who played in all these more you know metalcore leaning bands are now doing a band that sounds like more that stuff and I think that yeah. that was also the excitement baked into it as well. That's very possible, honestly. I've never, I've never actually tried to analyze it at all. But it was because to me, I was just like, they just brought me in to write songs, and that's all I was doing. I was yeah. writing songs, and and that was pretty much it. Showing up to recording, showing up to shows, done. You played guitar, right? I played guitar. I played yeah. drums briefly when Rhett left to play for First Blood. That's right. Cause yeah, I was, I sometimes had a hard time keeping, cause there, it all, there was also more member changes as time went on. Cause I know Colin ended up being in the band too. Then yeah. Cause so I really just hate playing drums, I guess. Yeah. Cause I'd, I'll do anything I can to play guitar. Yeah. So I was like, fine, let's put my little brother, my little stupid brother <laughs> on drums <laughs> and I'll play guitar. And honestly he did great. He, he, he did play three songs on the last record we did, but that that's all he had recorded and yeah. we didn't play it play for that long after that and then we started ruckus and kept going from there sure sure um well damn dude i mean you know i kind of said something similar i can't remember if it was on mic or, or off with colin but it's like you know we've obviously known each other for a really long time and it's you two are two people that i'm just like from the sidelines even though we haven't you know fucking hung out every weekend throughout all these years of knowing each other like you're two people that i love just to see continue to thrive and be creative and just grow and continue to put out cool records that people attach themselves to. It's just been like really cool to see from the sidelines. So I guess congratulations to, you know, you and your brother for just continuing to sort of be yourselves and make your mark in this world. Well, thank you. And the feeling is a hundred percent mutual. Just so you know, like, I, I appreciate you know, that. 
we have we have similar and different tastes in music. Uh, your record shelf is considerably larger than mine, but there are there are some there's I would say there's at least one full row of crossover, you know? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so <laughs> it's it's not on purpose. So yeah. maybe maybe at some point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, we could do something. I would love that. I would love that. Um, dude, you're the best. Thanks so much, man. And that is our show. Thank you so much to Taylor for coming on and thank you for listening. This episode was produced and edited and made to sound oh so nice by Ryan Rainbow. Shout out to him. And reminder, there's a bonus episode available right now where Taylor answered questions that were submitted by subscribers. Go over to patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon to get access to that and help support the show. Thank you so much. And I'll see you next Wednesday. Take care. Bye-bye.